Hey and welcome back to another episode of the MTB Fitness Podcast. Now I'm here on my Todd today and I'm just going to be recording some helpful hints and tips and just things that have been on my mind recently really when it comes to improving on the bike, both fitness and skills related. So I hope you enjoy this episode, I'm not quite sure which direction it's going to go on now but I'll aim over the next 30-ish minutes to bring you a ton of value. So thanks so much, see you on the other side. So I've got loads and loads of different tips that I want to talk about on today's podcast. There's no real structure as such. I'm just going to go through the various things that have been on my mind recently. So I think a good place to start is going to be the fact that I'm sat here absolutely boiling. (laughs) So there's a couple of points from, from this point, but I've been out on a ride today. Now, I only had an hour, so it's been a super busy day. I've had various bits and bats going on, and I've literally had an hour to get out and ride. And before I went out, I was kind of sat there thinking, should I ride? Should I not bother? Should I just stay at home? Should I maybe do a 20-minute workout? And I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to really enjoy getting out. First of all, it was gorgeous sunshine outside. But the thing is, I just end up feeling guilty for the rest of the night if I didn't go and ride. Like, I'm sure the rest of the work, like this podcast that I've got to do for the rest of the evening, I can sort of squeeze into a short space of time. And it's really easy, I think, to just let yourself on the ho- off the hook when you think you're busy. On the one hand, I wanted to ride. But then on the other hand, I felt a bit guilty because I've got a load of work to do. But then on the other, other hand, I felt guilty because I wasn't riding. So I thought, just get out and ride. Clear your head. It'll do you good. And I feel miles, miles better for it. Like, I'm really glad that I did go out for a ride. But literally, I think I did about an hour and 10 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes, something like that. So it wasn't a huge one. You don't have to go out for an absolutely ginormous ride every single time. Sometimes just getting out for an hour, an hour and ten minutes is awesome. Gets the legs spinning. You can just work on your technique. I was out in the glorious sunshine, so I got some vitamin D and just got a boost in my mood, really. It was just really, really nice. It was totally worth getting out for it. So I think the first tip and the first thing that's kind of on my mind right now is don't get obsessed with having to ride for three or four hours for every single ride because you just you don't have to do that. Use the time that you've got. And I think particularly for you know busy working people listening to this or for parents, particularly if you've just had a new child, for example, or if you've got a busy job because you do shifts, I think lower your standards a little bit. Like It's great to hold yourself to a high standard, but sometimes if your high standard is a ride only counts if it's three hours or longer, then you're not going to get anywhere near as much riding time throughout, say, a month than you would do if you just went out for lots more mini rides. So I'd say take advantage of like those short spaces of time and just get out and ride. And if you can have everything set up so it helps you to do that, that helps. Like I keep my bike in the garage. It's dead easy to open up the garage. The bike is pointed in the right direction. Like as soon as I've taken the lock off and whatnot, it's ready to go. Um, all I need to do is get my kit on, grab a bottle of water, shove stuff in my pockets and then boom, I'm out, out the door. I've got like an inner tube and a CO2 canister and the CO2 adapter strapped onto the bike. So that's ready to go. I just need to, so all I do is literally when I get ready for a ride, I get my gear on, go fill up my water and pop an electrolyte tablet in there. I've got some cereal bars and some sweets, which is generally fine for my rides that are sort of under two hours um, in the garage. So they just go in my pocket. And then I've also got my multi-tool in a little bag. So the multi-tool's got 
obviously my multi-tool, a couple of tire levers, and then just some of the little sticky patch things that you can shove into a tubeless tire if uh, if I get flat and then hopefully I can plug it. Tireless, tubeless plugs, you know what I mean. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Those things. Um, so it makes it really easy when I don't have much time to just grab it all and then get out there. It's really, really, really a good thing to do to lower your standards and get out for shorter periods of time if you're struggling. The second tip out of this, sort of out of the ride that I've just done, is that when it's boiling hot, you really need to sort of pay attention to it. So I went out the other day with my best mate, um, Ozzy, and we were riding up this climb, which I've not done for about a year. It's a tough climb. And I used to have a decent time on Strava, and we both kind of like started pushing each other, and we're like, right, let's go for it, let's dig in. So we both put our heads down and absolutely went for it on this climb. Now, I ended up doing really good. I got like a, I don't know, top two, top three, or whatever. Like, I got a good PR compared to what I did 12 months ago. But... At the top, I was absolutely roasting because it was like 25 degrees. It's just a climb that's just on an open moorland, just pointing up, basically. No shelter, no trees around, no nothing. And then I had about another hour and a half on top of the moors in baking heat. And I had about 600 milliliters of water with me, whatever's in my bottle. So, sure, it was good to push myself. It was great to get a PR and to get in the top 10 on Strava. But it was a bit of a stupid idea, to be honest. What I really should have done was just chilled out a bit, backed off, and just thought, right, I'm out in the baking sun, maybe need to take it a bit easier today, rather than absolutely caning myself. So I think the point from that is, when it is sunny, where you live, or you know, you might live in a hot country listening to this, or if you're here in the UK, we're going into the warmer months, make sure you adjust your riding sort of technique accordingly. Because if you go out and absolutely cane yourself in the sun for an hour at the pace or a higher pace than you normally do when it's cool and in the winter, you're going to find that you mess yourself up pretty quick. So just be aware of that. Take more water. Make sure you put electrolytes in your drink. Wear the right clothes. Potentially plant some shade into your route. Or if you can't do that, you might want to just bring something that can give you some shade if you need it. So, you know, like, uh, I don't know what's a good example of this. Maybe if there's like a, like a uh, I don't know, a piece of tarpaulin maybe to throw over a tree. Although I'm saying that and there's no way I would ever take that out with me. But all I want you to consider is think, if I'm going out for three or four hours and you're out on a ride in the middle of nowhere, make sure that you're planning some shelter so you can chill out a bit and so you can cool yourself down because it will make a really, really big difference and it's quite easy to get yourself into a dehydrated state, shall we say, to completely overheat. I know when uh, me and Sophie, my other half, go to Disney in Florida most years, and it's absolutely roasting at that time of year, it's 30-odd degrees every day, and whenever we do the first day, we tend to wake up really early with jet lag at like 5am, and we tend to be in the park for eight and then we go all day in the sun and I kind of like just power through so when I feel that I'm getting hot and I feel like I'm starting to overheat I'll just power through like I'm on holiday I'm on holiday let's just go for it and there's been a couple of times I should learn really but there's been a couple of times when I've ended up with um, heat stroke so not severe but I've been shivering in the evening and I've just been bright red sweating going hot and cold uh, and it's just daft really like if you if you're going out at, like Obviously, that's from a holiday, but if you're going out exercising in really hot temperatures, just pay attention to the weather and adjust accordingly.
Another tip for you, and I think this is super relevant in everything that's going on at the moment. Now, I don't mean this in any kind of way to downplay the current climate, current political climate, if you like, the current world climate, everything that's going on at the moment with coronavirus, with Black Lives Matter and whatnot. Um, but while those things are obviously massively important, I think obviously everything going on with corona, you've heard my thoughts on that so far, like... Is massively important, but you also have to crack on to a certain extent, and especially because it's been going on for so long, you have to focus on what you can do, focus on the positives, be sensible, but I don't think most of us listening to this, I think a lot of us can kind of like crack on and focus on improving our fitness, focus on the positives, focus on what we can do. Um, but with the Black Lives Matter, I'm going off on a tangent now, I think with that, it's... To me, like when I started to see the Black Lives Matter campaign, it was kind of like, well, yeah, obviously Black Lives Matter, like it's a no-brainer. Like I live in a very white community, so there aren't many black people in my community, if you like. Like you, the vast majority of people are white. But with that being said, like it would never even enter my head that a black life would be more in, would be less important than a white life. Like it just goes without saying. Like of course, black people are people as much as white people and Asian people and Indian people and every kind of person. We're all equal. We're just people. It doesn't matter what colour your skin is. So when it came to that day on Instagram where loads of companies put a blackout blackout Thursday, was it? I think. And obviously I saw that and I was like, yep, that sounds good. Everybody's doing it. I think it will be nice for, for me to sort of do my bit as well. So I didn't post anything else that day on Instagram and just put that black square up. And to me, like it's just, and I'm sure to you listening to this, it's just an absolute no-brainer that that's a positive thing to do. If we're bringing awareness to the, um, what's the right word? all the negative sort of abuse, if you like, towards black people and raising awareness to all that, then I think that's a great thing. Uh, and it was really interesting to see. So on my Instagram at the time, I had about forty thousand followers. That post got saw, got saw, got saw. That post got seen by about twenty thousand people. And I noticed. So every day, I tend to lose about twenty followers on Instagram. So people don't like the content, or they get fed up with it. There's probably some bot accounts in there, uh, and they unfollow. So about twenty people a day unfollowing on my Instagram page. And on that day, when I posted up the black square. 150 people unliked the page. 150. And I thought, you know what, like, there clearly is an issue because to me, and I'm sure to you, it's just obvious that Black Lives Matter, but 150 people unfollowed from it, clearly because they're racists. And I just thought that was really interesting, to be honest. And yeah, I thought I'd share that with you. There clearly is an issue there. And if you followed MTV Fitness for any length of time, you'll know that I'm completely open to everybody. I just want everybody to get along <laughs> and be happy, really. Let's all ride bikes and have, have fun. Um, but yeah, it was just I thought that was really interesting and you know, good riddance to the people who didn't follow the page because if they can't get behind something like this, then they're not welcome, to be honest. Um, so yeah, but I got off on a complete tangent there. I wasn't going to talk about that. My point was... If you, I've talked about these loads before, but you may not have heard this, I think it's super important when there's negative things going on in the world, which is every single day, there's always something negative happening in the world, that you don't obsess over the media, you don't read every newspaper article, you don't read every magazine article, you don't go on forums where people who are struggling are like commenting and ranting and raving, and because all of it just serves to make you think that the world is going downhill and everything's horrific. And sure, 
it's really, really important to pay attention to the negative things that are going on. You need to be prepared for it and you need to be aware of it, but you can't obsess over it. So, you know, if people are waking up and they're watching the news first thing in the morning, then they're getting the train to work, let's just say, and they're scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through BBC News on a website and reading every article, then they're checking it in the lunch break, then they're watching it in the evening. There's so much negativity that's coming at you that you're just going to believe that the, the world is doomed and everybody's going to die. Now, again, this isn't to downplay the seriousness of everything that's going on, because of course, like, anybody dying is a tragedy. However, the media are always going to focus on the negatives and build up the negative stories to as negative as they can possibly get to terrify everybody. And I think it can be unhealthy for people, particularly if you suffer with your mental health, which a lot of people do. It can be really unhealthy to just obsess over the news and to really envelop yourself in it all. So my approach is when sort of coronavirus was really kicking off and everything was getting serious, I was checking the news about once a day. So I'd log onto a news website and I'd just scroll through the articles. I'd sometimes check the government website to see what the official sort of things that were getting put out there was. But, you know, it'd be 10, 20 minutes a day, something like that. Now, I'd probably check it once a week, if you like, because things are very much chilling out. So... I keep an eye on what's going on. I definitely don't read every single article. Like once or maybe twice a week, I'll excuse me, hiccups. I'll just check the news, see what's going on, and then I'll take it from there. So what that does is that that just gives you, it helps keep one eye on what's happening in the world, helps you decide and make decisions based on it, but you don't get completely overwhelmed with the negativity of everything. Because when you do that, it can just make you think that everything's doomed and you need to, you know, you can just you're going to end up in a negative spiral. If you're just listening to the news and watching all negative stuff, it's so easy to just end up eating crap food, stop exercising, and to think that just everything's going downhill. And the reality is, whilst a lot of people are in a bad situation, the percentage of people affected directly by this, and it's horrific for anybody that is, but the percentage of people affected by it is so much smaller than the people who aren't affected by it and who will just get it, recover and be fine. So I think it's important to just be aware of what you let go into your noggin. On a completely different tangent, I told you this was going to go all over the place, I'm just going to gonna roll with it in today's podcast so you heard me hiccup about five minutes ago, that was because after my ride I had a protein shake. So protein shakes are really really good to have after a ride. So, or a workout. So, the reason that I recommend them for most people, and they're not a necessity, but they are beneficial to most people, is that most people don't actually get enough protein in the diet. So, a lot of people that I end up speaking to will have a high carb diet and probably low fat and low to medium protein. Now, whenever you train, whenever you ride, you break down your muscles, and it's really, really important to build back up your muscle to help it recover. To do that, you need to have protein, and a lot of people don't get enough protein in the diets. So if you get into the habit of having a protein shake, a whey protein shake, I have uh, optimum nutrition at the moment, but I'm very flexible on brands to be honest. All you need is a whey protein shake that's got a low uh, amount of carbs in there. As long as you do that, then you're absolutely fine. Just have one, maybe two scoops, mix it with water or some skimmed milk, and have that straight after your workout. The reason for skimmed milk 
um, or semi-skimmed is just because the lower the fat content, the faster it will digest and that can be beneficial for you. So immediately after a ride, if you have a protein shake mixed with skim milk, semi-skim milk or water, then the lower fat content will help it digest faster, get into your bloodstream and the protein will then get to your muscle to help speed up and start the recovery process. It can also help, a protein shake can also help take the edge off your hunger. So even if you've been eating what you should be eating whilst you're out riding, um, check out my nutrition guide if you want to know what that is, <laughs> mtb.fitness. Um, even if you are eating all the right things while you're out riding, it's still really common to get home and then end up absolutely ravenous within half an hour of putting your bike away and having a shower. So having a protein shake as soon as you got in can just help take the edge off. So I got in, I sat down for a couple of minutes like just next to my bike, then I shoved all my stuff in the wash, I went and made a protein shake, drank it, then I got in the shower. Um, and I've not had anything to eat yet, I know it was only an hour ride, but I've not had anything to eat and I'm absolutely fine, I've got tons of energy, feel good. So it's, it's a good idea to have one. If you drive to your trails, if you're maybe half an hour to an hour away from your trails, then it can be even more important to have a protein shake. So what I do in that scenario is just take two separate containers, uh, shakers, have one shake that's dry with a scoop or two of protein in there, and have another shaker or a bottle which contains your water, and then mix them when you're about to drink them. You don't want to mix them a few hours in advance because the protein shake goes minging. Like you need to mix it and then drink it. Um, or else it just goes manky. It's not a good idea. But make sure you take it out of your car after you've drunk it because I'm sure if any of you have ever left a protein shaker with a drunk shaking, it stinks, so don't do that. <laughs> Alright, on to another tangent. So I actually just got this idea. I'm sat here in my office, which is where I record some of my YouTube videos, and I saw the Yeti grease gun for the back of my bike. So I got my bike in, I think it was December, something like that, and I've not yet replaced the bearings for the, uh, oh, what do you call them, my brain's a mush today, the rear triangle bearings, so the actual frame bearings at the back, so I think there's eight off the top of my head, but I could be wrong. I've not replaced them yet, and now the rear triangle is starting to get a bit of flex in it, so you can feel it moving back and forwards, particularly if you're flying downhill, you make like a quick direction change, you can just feel that flex at the back. So if you actually grab it and wiggle it, it's not horrific, but it's definitely moving, so the bearings are, are definitely ready to be replaced. They're out of stock at the moment, but it's interesting, when your bike isn't perfect how you want it, how it knocks your confidence, and I'm still riding with 95% maybe 90% of my usual confidence, but he's definitely knocking me for that last 5-10%. So I still feel like I'm riding well, but just right on the back of my mind is the fact that my bike isn't riding just perfect. And it's kind of that what if, or what if I'm gonna damage my bike by hurtling through here? What if it's doing some damage? What if this, what if that? Um, what if it's not quite right? And that what if just on the back of your mind will really affect your confidence on the trail. For me, I'm in a good place with my riding at the moment. I feel like I'm riding well, I feel confident, so it's only knocking me a little bit. But if you're a nervous rider, and if you struggle with fear and with your nerves, then I highly recommend making sure that your bike is dialed and it is riding well, because that will really help for your confidence. And so yeah, and there was a couple more things actually from on bike setup with today's ride. So one of the things, 
I just did a dropper post recently, can't remember what I did, I think I was tweaking the cable, and I've not had my seat position quite right, so for the last couple of rides it's felt a little bit low, um, I like to ride it for 20, 30, 40 minutes before I sort of decide if I'm comfortable with it, so it just felt a little bit low, so I popped it up about an inch at the beginning of today's ride, and it felt high, like I felt like I was a bit on stilts, but you know, sometimes when you put your saddle high, it can feel a bit weird at first, so I thought, no, I'll stick with it, I'll see how it goes, so put it quite high, and I was riding along, and then it just felt kind of uncomfortable, and I did the whole ride, did a technical-ish climb and just didn't feel quite as good as I normally feel on it and um, like I said just felt a bit too high off the ground and I felt like I was having to reach a little bit more and if I needed to I couldn't drop my heel um, not that you drop it all the way when you sat in the saddle but I couldn't drop it as much as I felt like I, I may want to and um, so it was that bit too high but I cracked on with it, it was fine and I did a descent when I was coming back down. And at the bottom of the descent, obviously the saddle was out of the way for that. But I found I was getting a little bit of a twinge in my back. And the reason for that is just that saddle for me there was just that little bit high. So on every pedal stroke, what I was doing is I was overextending my leg and moving my hips slightly. And I could feel it and it was starting to have an effect on my lower back. Now it was just a very subtle feeling, like it's absolutely fine, but just subtle. Um, so all I did was I got off the bike and then I dropped it down to in between what the saddle height was a couple of rides ago and what it was this morning. So I just popped it up, sorry, today. So I put it in between that. And the feeling, as soon as I got on it, it just felt comfortable, felt right. I felt way more confident on the bike, felt way more comfortable. I was pedaling much better and more relaxed and I didn't feel like I was overstretching with each of those legs and just thought what a difference that small increment of change can make probably only dropped it about a centimeter maybe a centimeter and a half and the difference was very very noticeable and I, I just thought that was really interesting to be honest because it just shows how small tweaks to your bike will make a big difference to a how you feel like back pain things like that and um, but b also to your confidence as well the other thing was that when normally I'm a bit anal with my tyre pressures, like I have to have them to the right tyre pressure. So at the moment, the trails are quite dusty, they're running well. I'm running 26 on the rear, 23 on the front. That's where I'm at at the minute, uh, PSI that is. And that feels spot on. Um, but today, my tyre pressure monitor, when I came to use it, it was out of batteries, so I couldn't test it. And I find that the analogue one on my pump is miles off, like absolutely miles off. Like it'll indicate 36 PSI on the analogue dial on the pump and then it'll actually be 25 when I come to check it on my digital one, which is accurate. So it's way off. Um, so I just had to guess. So I just pumped them both up to 40 indicated on my analogue pump, which was probably somewhere between 25 and 30 PSI, I'd imagine, front and back. Um, and it was really, really like huge the difference. Like between 23 front, 26 rear, and probably let's say it was 27 front, 27 rear, maybe a little bit less. Like the difference, I was really pinging off rocks on the climbs, could really notice that. I felt like there wasn't as much traction on the descents, like for sure. So when you hit a rock, or you know, like the lo lots of loose rocks together, normally there'd be no issue. It was just slipping around a little bit. And like it wasn't an issue, we're still riding absolutely fine on it, but it just didn't feel as good as it would normally feel when I ride with the right tyre pressures. So again, it's just showing how important that bike setup is for you. Like get your bike to how you like it, play around with it and tweak it, and then when you've got it to the point where it feels good, 
I would say from that point, pretty much leave it because what will happen is it'll get comfortable. Your body will learn how it feels. You'll start to, um, you'll start to get your muscles to learn it and get that muscle memory with how the bike should feel. That's going to help you perform better on the bike, and it's going to make you feel more confident. So I thought that was a really interesting thing from today. Just um, a couple of, couple of small notices, um, and I think that can lead me on to another point in that. Learning on the bike is a constant process. So like I've been riding for several years again now. I used to ride in my teens. I stopped from about age 19 to 21, 22 and started up again. Probably about 22 I think it was when I started up again. And I'm now 27 and a half, so five and a half years later. And, and you're still just learning so much. So I'm far from mega experienced on the bike. It's not been 20, 30, 40 years, but five and a half years of riding every week and having this business and sort of being obsessed with the mountain bike world has obviously taught me loads. But I still feel like I'm learning loads as well at the moment. Like I'm learning still about technique, I'm learning about fitness, I'm learning about bike setup, I'm learning about bike maintenance. I'm learning so much every single week just from reading articles, from paying attention to myself and how I feel and the bike when I go out riding. Um, from being in Facebook groups like the MTB Fitness Community on Facebook, for example. You learn so much as you go along, so I think you need to be open to that. Um, I read a good quote, actually, about learning. I can't remember where it is from. Um, but the quote was, you don't listen with your mouth open. I thought that was quite cool, um, because particularly in Facebook groups, you'll sometimes see someone comment. So they might ask... Um, I don't know. I'm struggling to set up my tyre as tubeless. Does anybody get any tips? And someone will reply and say, yeah, post up a few filters. So they will do. And say, oh, right, okay. So it looks like your tape, your tubeless tape on the rim, that looks like it isn't stuck down properly. So what I'd probably do is I'd take it all off, clean it with alcohol, put the tape back on, and then inflate it with an inner tube just so it really makes it stick. So good advice. The guy asked for advice. Great, helpful advice. And then the guy will respond and start saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because I've heard you can do it this way and I've heard you can do that and that's not the issue. <laughs> and that's like a great example. You see it all the time where you don't listen with your mouth open. So if you sort of... If you're in a position where you're a newbie, where you're a beginner, or if you just know what you're good at and what you're not good at, open your ears and listen. And good example of that, I think... No matter how far along sort of in your life you get, you'll know what you're good at or you should know what you're good at and what you're not good at. So I'm really good at doing a lot of research. I've been looking to buy a new car recently um, and I've been kind of looking into it and I've just been researching the exact car I want, going into the detail with the numbers, finding the absolute best way to do it and, just, and I know everything about it. So one of my strengths is just researching everything, researching the figures, finding out what they're selling for, finding the exact car that I want, knowing it in intimate detail, what year I need to get, how many miles, blah, 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 blah. I know everything about it. But then what I'm not very good at is negotiating. <laughs> so hate negotiating. I'd rather just walk in, pay a price and leave. But obviously you can't do that because it'll cost you thousands. <laughs> so I need to negotiate. So what else? rather than just trying to wing it and rather than trying to pretend I'm good at negotiating, I'm not. What I did was I spoke to Sophie's dad, so my other half's dad, who absolutely loves cars. He visits car showrooms just because it's his hobby. He loves it. Um, it's my kind of hobby. I'm a proper petrol head. Um, so I spoke to him for half an hour, and he gave advice online, the price that he would go in with, how he would like, sort of handle the phone call, what to say, what not to say. And that was just invaluable. 
And it would have been really easy for me to just get a big head, think I know it all, to get a massive ego, and just to try and wing it and do it myself. But the best thing for me to do was to shut my mouth and just ask for some advice and listen. And it helped massively. So I would say, that's just a little tip that's happened this week for me, um, do the same thing. So assess what you're good at, assess what you're not good at. You might be amazing at skills on the bike, but you're not very good with your fitness and your training. Or you might really know what you're doing in the gym to train for your, for your mountain biking, but you might not have a clue what the best thing to do nutritionally is. And I think it's an absolute strength to understand what you know and what you don't know. And don't be afraid to learn from people and listen to people. Like, Don't be afraid to look stupid. Don't be afraid to be a learner because it really, really helps you. And to be honest, we're all learning for the rest of our lives. You're never going to know it all. So keep your ears open and, and listen to as much information as you can. Try and learn. And on that note, that's coming up to half an hour for the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed me rambling on. I know I've enjoyed it. I quite like talking. <laughs> and I've been working at home on my own today, so it's quite nice to, to talk to you. Thanks so much. Uh, I will do my best to get another podcast out next week as well. Uh, and what if you are enjoying these podcasts, you will love the MTB Fitness YouTube channel that I've just started. So log on to YouTube, just type in MTB Fitness, and you'll see the latest videos that we've put out there. But there's some real crackers that are going out there, so have a gander, have a look at that. Um, apart from that, thanks so much for listening. I've really enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time for another MTB Fitness podcast. <laughs>